Come on, man. Let me give you some trash talk, okay? Come on, man. Jesus Christ, I met some dumb bastards in my time, but you outdo them all. Come on, man. Oh, I'm short. Son of a bitch. Come on, man. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Come on, man. You've got to get mad. You've got to get mad. You've got to get mad. Rittenhouse was 17 years old when he drove to Kenosha, Wisconsin with an AR-15 rifle. Riots and racial justice protests were rocking the city after police shot a black man. Rittenhouse says he went there to protect the community. He ended up shooting three men, killed two of them during a Black Lives Matter demonstration. Rittenhouse claims they chased and attacked him. The defense's final witness was this man, Frank Hernandez. He recorded video of the first deadly shooting of Joseph Rosenbaum. Hernandez says he traveled the country last summer recording violent protests and that that's why he was in Kenosha. On that deadly night, he says he recorded Rosenbaum pushing around a flaming dumpster. See here? Hernandez says Rosenbaum became aggressive and confronted a group of men who came to the protest with assault-style rifles, just as Rittenhouse did. That's Rosenbaum there in the maroon shirt. Then later, he claims, he saw Rosenbaum charge at Rittenhouse from behind and lunge at him before Rittenhouse wheeled around and opened fire. Hernandez said Rosenbaum was the aggressor that night, not Rittenhouse. Did you observe him acting in an aggressive manner to anyone that you observed? In no way, shape, or form. The first time I saw Kyle, he actually de-escalated a situation. Did you observe him at any time uh, that evening pointing his firearm at anybody or threatening anybody with that firearm? No. Hakao! Info Ninja. Have you been following the trial of the century? You remember the first trial of the century? That was the very fair O.J. Simpson trial. You know, the one where he didn't kill his wife. And now the new trial of the century is the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Well, I think it was the George Floyd thing, and now it's the Kyle Rittenhouse. I think the Floyd was bigger, um, and it's for obvious reasons. But I've been watching all the coverage. I've been paying attention to everything, looking at both sides of the story. I've been even watching the live courtroom stuff. Well, it's not live when I watch it, but I'm seeing it straight from the horse's mouth. I'm seeing actual testimony of this case and what's happening. So I, I like to think I'm informed, but I'm not sitting in there in the jury box every day watching this. Um, but what has surprised me the most is, is that as I listen to each political pundit and each Mr. or Mrs. commentary about this on the internet or wherever it may be, I am yet to hear anybody call it what it is. I am yet to hear anybody actually get it right. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about this. So if you're not familiar, quick rundown. There's a kid that lives in Illinois and he lives right across the border of Kenosha, Wisconsin. It's kind of like if if you live in, say, a suburb of Chicago, you're that close to it. He worked in Kenosha. This is the neighborhood he hung out in. This is where his dad lived and his, his uncle and his cousins. And this was this was his home. It was his backyard. So there was a I don't even know if it was racially motivated, but it was a bad time for it. It was white cops killing black man in Kenosha, and there was a massive explosion, a big uh, protest. It was one of those peaceful protests where they light stuff on fire and people, you know, die. 
So there's this kid, his name is Kyle. He drives into this neighborhood where he works and where everybody lives, and he starts to try to, in in his words, render aid. He had been wanting to become an EMT, a firefighter, that sort of thing, uh, which is, you know, hey, if this is my kid and he goes, hey, I'm going to go down to the riot zone and help out down there because it, it, they called it a peaceful protest, but it was a, seemed an awful lot like rioting to me. Normally, when you burn stuff down and you steal stuff, that's a riot. That's where you cross the, the protest line. But if I'm his parent and he says, hey, I want to go down there, the answer is no. You're not going to go down there. So this kid shouldn't have been down there in the first place to render aid or not. He certainly shouldn't have gone down there with an AR-15. You're almost asking for trouble. That's what I don't like about this situation is. But, you know, we do live in a country where you're allowed to have a gun. And if you've been paying attention to the Supreme Court, pretty soon everybody's going to be allowed to have a gun. The way it looks, because you have places like Chicago and in New York City where it's almost impossible to own a firearm. That's not what the Constitution says. The right to bear arms shall not be infringed, period. There's no except for Chicago, except for New York as part of that. The Supreme Court is going to take action soon, and we may be able to get, you know, conceal and carry without having to get a conceal and carry license. Kind of cool. I'm actually one of those people that believes that the more guns around, the less crime shows up. I base it off of stupid stuff like statistics. And that when bad guys are the only guys with guns, bad things happen. This kid's down there with an AR-15, and then some chaos ensues, and the next thing you know, he shoots three people. Two of them die, one survives. And as to be expected, the media exploded. What cracked me up the most was one of the biggest ways that people got this wrong right off the bat and one of the ways that they still get it wrong to this day and it cracks me up. There's some people that literally just through watching the trial now finally realized that this wasn't a hate crime. Number one, I don't like the idea of hate crimes. If a black person shoots a white person, how do we know that that black person hated white people? Hmm. And even if they did hate white people, maybe they liked that white person. They were just mad at him for different reasons. So a crime's a crime, in my opinion. But most people thought this was a crazy right wing nut job, white supremacist going down there, mowing black people down with an AR-15 that are trying to peacefully protest uh, police discrimination and the murdering of another black person. Sounds great with their narrative, and that definitely got them a lot of clicks and a lot of eyeballs on the screen. The problem was is that it was white people shooting white people. Yeah, there there was no black people involved in the situation and getting shot. Kyle Rittenhouse was white, and he shot other white people. That's when the media went, okay, okay, this isn't quite as interesting. And a lot of people kind of, you know, fell out of touch with it at that point. But a lot of people who didn't pay attention past a certain point still believe to this day that Kyle Rittenhouse shot a bunch of black people. Didn't happen. He shot other white people. But does should that even matter? If he shot Asian people and he was uh, Mexican, who cares? It's a person shooting a person. Not good. So, of course, this guy would be up for murder charges and that's what's happening right now he's up for these murder charges but as it turns out as the investigation continues it becomes more apparent that well maybe he wasn't trying to murder people he was acting in self-defense because they were trying to murder him 
or at least attack him and take his weapon away from him, which that's not a good thing in a gunfight if someone takes your gun from you. And one of the guys he shot actually was pointing a gun at him. Now, that wasn't the story that anybody believed for a long time. It was like, this guy had his hands up, and he's like, don't shoot, I'm done, I'm done. And, you know, Kyle goes, I got you now. Boom, and blows him away. And then it turns out that didn't happen. Not only is there photographic evidence to show that's not what happened, he was actually pointing a gun at Kyle when he shot him, he admitted it himself on the stand. This was the pivotal moment where kind of everyone knew that, yeah, this was self-defense. Check it out. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? Correct. So now it looks like self-defense is probably what he was doing. Again, my problem with this thing is that the kid's down there with an AR-15 in the first place. And what are you going to do? They're destroying his neighborhood. He wants to try to protect it. You know, one of the biggest stories, and this is when I kind of get into how people, their take on this was wrong. I mean, it was right. They were making takes that make sense, and I understand that. But in my mind, they're missing the greater point. And that's why you come to the... the info ninja baby because i'm gonna give you something you're not gonna get anywhere else yeah but one of the big takes was the police weren't doing anything and this is a big problem when you try to have a you know constitutional country with states that are joined in a union unions can break apart what's the divorce rate in this country yeah unions can break apart And one of the biggest ways to do that is to not be fair, and that's to kind of selectively enforce the laws, especially when it comes to political opponents. You enforce the laws upon them, but not along the people that vote your way or give you money or whatever it is. It's it's the oldest corruption tale in the book. So in this case in Kenosha, Wisconsin, if this was anybody but Black Lives Matter doing what they do best... uh, looting, rioting, burning stuff down. If it was anybody but them, the police would have stepped in and actually done the job they get paid to do. But no, 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 no. For the most part, they sat back and said, hey, 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 we get it. We get it. Get it out of your system. And they let the community go to hell. Well, the problem is some people still own businesses in that community. Some people live in that community. Some people, you know, their kids play in that community and they don't like that and they want it to be safe. So what do you do when the cops won't step in and follow the actual law, when they won't protect you? Do you just become a victim or do you protect yourself? I think Kyle would have been much better off at his dad's house or much better off at his uncle's house or his cousin's house defending in place, protecting their property. If someone broke into their house at that point and he shoots them with an AR-15, there really wouldn't be much of a conversation right now. But he went to the danger zone. He was a young kid, wanted to be a hero, but he still went to the danger zone. And that's where he screwed up. It's this weird thing. It's like, yes, I understand that you want to protect your home and you have the right to do that. But at the same time, man, you went looking for trouble. You're there to render aid, but you got an AR-15 with you. But is he guilty of murder? I'm going to say no. I don't think he's guilty of murder, but I think he's guilty of being dumb. A young kid being dumb. What are the chances a teenager not making smart decisions? Where were his parents? Maybe they didn't even know he was going down there. But still, come on. Kyle Rittenhouse was just this wild right-wing nutjob who was down there to kill protesters 
you know, people said that. Uh, they've talked about it really being a gun control issue. Like, we got people walking around with AR-15s. And, man, these people don't know anything about guns. It goes back to the old assault rifle versus regular rifle. It's the same rifle with a different kind of grip on it. It literally does the same exact thing. Most people don't get that. And it's very apparent, even in this court case, that most people just don't understand basic firearms. There should be a law in this country where everyone, everyone, like their senior year of high school has to go through a basic gun safety course, and then they have to purchase or get a state-issued firearm after that point. So everybody has guns. Let's go the exact opposite. Let's, let's stop trying to get rid of them, and let's get more of them. Guns may work like God. When we tried to get rid of God in schools and have successfully done it for the most part, look how things have turned out. We're trying to get rid of guns and it seems like we're getting more crime. Let's reverse course. Let's just give it a shot. But my point, the reason I bring you here right now, and I want you to hear this is, this is way more important than a self-defense case. This is way more important than some kind of politicized police force. You know, that kind of ties into where I'm going. What this really was, what happened right in front of your face, was a piece of history. You may not realize it now, but one day, if Jesus doesn't come back soon, one day when you're an older person, you're going to realize that you saw a piece of history because you saw the actual footage of and watched the trial pertaining to the first gun battle in the new Civil War. I'm not saying hi yow because that's a good thing. I'm just saying that's the first you've heard it and you heard it here and it's the truth. Some people watch this thing and they see a guy defending his freedom and being American with a gun. Other people watch this thing and go, they see a crazy right wing murdering nut job racist. It's the tale of two realities. Those in the matrix and those outside of the matrix. One man's terrorist is another man's hero. Those guys, that the terrorists that flew the planes, supposedly, into the 9-11 towers, yeah, we consider them to be terrorists, but in, in Afghanistan and other Middle Eastern terrorist regions around the world, they are still heroes to this day. One man's home defender is another man's murderer, and that's the situation. That's the divide that's in this country. And remember, what's always linked to the divide in this country, it's CNN. Yeah, it's MSNBC. It's Twitter with what they'll censor. It's Facebook with what they'll, you know, put into their algorithm or not put into their algorithm. It's who they allow to be heard and not be allowed to be heard. They are sowing the seeds of discontent. The media, social media, they're all making it happen. If we can get rid of them right now, we might be able to avoid what's coming. Because you witnessed the first gun battle of the new civil war that's already going on, already going on. You're just seeing it escalate. And since it's happening in real time, right in front of your eyes, you're not realizing what happened. Remember, if you go back and you look at the Civil War in your history books that you read when you were a kid, it's like you read one page, you flip the next page, and the Civil War is over. No, 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 that took time. That took many years for things to happen. The, the Civil War, the fight over slavery in this country, the divide that came from that issue started about 40 years before the Civil War actually happened. Civil Wars don't happen overnight. And this one isn't happening overnight either. But you completely miss what's really going on if you take a view of only what's happening right now. 
Look at a broader perspective. Okay, for instance, 1820, the Missouri Compromise. This was essentially when they they drew like a red line across the map. And they said, all right, all the states over here and all the states over here, you're slave states. And all these states over here are free states. And we were still admitting new states into the union at this time. And it was kind of a big deal. Fast forward another 11 years later, 1831, the Nat Turner Rebellion. You learned about this in school, the Turner Rebellion. This is when Nat Turner, he was a slave, and him and a bunch of other slaves got really pissed off one night and killed like 70 white people. Huge massacre, made headlines everywhere. And and as retribution, all of them were hung and killed, but then about 200 additional black boys, girls, men, women were pulled out of bed and killed at night too. Not a good thing. So sparks are flying, okay? But again, this was 1831, and the fighting, the real fighting, didn't start until 1860. When did our battle start that's going on? I kind of feel like it started back in like, you know, 2008, 2012, right around the Obama years. I think that's when the real divide started. Well, back to 1831, let's go ahead and jump up to 1846, So like 15 years later, 15 years. So we started out in 1820. Now we're in 1846. This is 26 years after the initial Missouri Compromise. There was something called the Wilmot Provision. Okay, now this was something that the pro-freedom, anti-slavery legislatures out there kept trying to slip into bills for four years. And basically all it said was is that Any states that the United States acquired via war, so like us beating Mexico and us getting Texas and so on and so on, any states like that have to be free states. And any new states that we admit have to be free states. This would not have been a very popular thing because there were a lot of southern states like Texas and lots of California. There were a lot of these states that already had slaves. And if this would have got slipped into a bill, he tried putting it on as writers to bills and presenting it on its own and doing all the sneaky shit they try to do now to get anything through. If this would have made it through, it would have effectively ended the slave trade in those states and really ended a lot of lives. It would have been great for the slaves, but not great for the slave owners. I'm just saying it wouldn't have been a very popular thing to do. I bring this up because I want you to see the parallel between what's going on here with legislation and things they're trying to do and what they were doing way back in 1846, 1847. The same shit is happening right now that led up to a civil war. And I'm telling you how it happened in the past. We are just repeating the past over again. Don't be surprised. Here's something that's incredibly relevant to today that happened back then in the year 1852. So like two years after, you know, they stopped trying to pass the proviso thing. 1852, the famous book, you've probably read it in school, Uncle Tom's Cabin came out. This made slavery look terrible. It made it a cultural battle for many folks to fight slavery. It was the hip, cool thing not to be into slavery in the North. In the South, it changed a lot of minds as well. This was a major impact because it told the truth about how terrible slavery was. This was a book, like today it would be a movie that would come out that had a major impact on culture so much that it's being brought up in the timeline of events that led to the Civil War. At this point, slavery is still illegal. We have haven't fought a civil war, but we have a propaganda piece coming out. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying it's a very influential piece of media that comes out and changes the landscape. 
And then in 1854, that's when the blood started to come. And it was really called that. It was called Bleeding Kansas. So Kansas had kind of this unique thing that they did. They would have votes in their state over whether slavery could be legal or illegal. So it was a weird thing where Kansas decided via popular vote, you got 500 for slavery, you got 501 for freedom, then these folks are free. And what happened? Just like what happened in Arizona. Do you remember when Biden supposedly won, (laughs) supposedly won the election? And then it was like, we got to get that Senate seat in Arizona or that House seat or wherever it was. And people were wanting to move to Arizona to vote in this election. The same thing was happening in Kansas. Let's move enough people on our side of the thing, pro or against slavery to Kansas to vote for whatever we want. History repeating itself right now, folks. And that led to the, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Potawatomi Massacre. That's probably completely wrong. But essentially, you got a bunch of people that believe one thing and a bunch of people that believe something else. And they're all fighting for the same thing. Eventually, bad things happen. About 50 people died, essentially. A lot of shots got fired. A lot of axes got swung. People fought it out in the streets. Kind of like Kenosha. I wonder if one day, again, you're going to open a history book and it's going to be the Battle of Kenosha that took place. And you're going to be seeing this and going, I remember the Battle of Kenosha when it was called the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. But this was the Battle of Kansas. Bleeding Kansas is what it was called because there wasn't just, you know, one big fight that killed 50 people. There were 10 little fights that killed 50 people. It was an ongoing thing for years. Kind of like right now, these riots and this looting and the the shooting and and the death has been an ongoing thing for years now. Then a few years later, you get the Dred Scott decision. This is when a slave tried to get into the court system and fight for his right to be free, and the Supreme Court deemed him property. Wrong side of history there, Supreme Court. But it does show a big parallel with what's happening right now with guns in the Supreme Court. Right now with vaccine mandates. Right now with transgender bathroom stuff. The court's playing a pivotal role in us leading to the new Civil War. And then the straw that broke the camel's back. And I don't think the Battle of Kenosha, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, is the straw that is breaking the back right now. I don't think we've had this event happen. But the event that happened like the year before, I mean like months before the real Civil War broke out, was what's called John Brown's Raid. This was a abolitionist, so a pro-freedom, anti-slavery guy, and him and some other folks attempted to break into the armory in Virginia, the United States Armory, steal weapons, and their plan was to distribute all of these weapons to slaves so that they can fight back and lead a rebellion and really have an insurrection and take over the government. That was 1859, and it was huge. It was massive news. Imagine now if someone tried to break into one of our armories, steal weapons, and give them to Black Lives Matter protesters. Well, I guess they don't really need to do that kind of thing with George Soros around. You know, the guy that pays for the the big stacks of bricks to be left in these communities right before a riot, excuse me, protest, protest happens. Yeah. John Brown's raid. And then the very next year, Abraham Lincoln gets elected. Not good. Kind of like Joe Biden gets uh, elected in quotation marks. I still have trouble saying that with a straight face or without making the quotation mark fingers. I'm actually doing that right now and I'm aware you can't see it. But Joe Biden gets elected, Abraham Lincoln gets elected, and everything went to hell at that point. The big battle started and we had the Civil War, baby. 
You know, one of the first things Lincoln did was shut down the newspapers. And I'm, I'm not for, I'm not anti-free press. We just don't have a press right now. We have a propaganda press. I'm not saying shut them down, but I'm saying stop watching them. But my point is, folks, is that this Kyle Rittenhouse thing, no matter what the verdict is, the verdict may already be out by the time you're listening to this because closing arguments just happen. But it doesn't matter what the verdict is. Yes, whatever the verdict is, it will escalate things. But that's not what matters in this situation. What you're witnessing is the first gun battle, the outcome of it, in the new Civil War. It's happening right now. Stop pretending it isn't. And know that if you and enough people just change the channel or click off CNN, click off MSNBC, turn off Fox News too. If enough of you stop watching, they're going to change their tune. Maybe that's the only ammunition we have right now. This is still very much a cold civil war. But when you have gun battles, that means things are heating up and you don't want a hot war. Nobody wants that. But what we do want is freedom. What we do want is our right to bear arms, not to be infringed. What we do want is the ability to defend our home, but especially we want the people that we pay to defend our homes to show up and actually do their job and not be politicians. A ninja can dream. Hadow! Info Ninja. He's accused of killing two people. He's a supporter of yours. Are you no. going to condemn the actions of vigilantes like Kyle Rittenhouse? Um, well, we're, we're looking at all of it. Uh, that was an interesting situation. You saw the same tape as I saw. And uh, he was trying to get away from them, I guess, it looks like. And he fell. And then they very violently attacked him. And it was something that we're looking at right now, and it's under investigation. But... Uh, I guess he was in very big trouble. He would have been, I, he probably would have been killed, but it's under, it's under investigation. Do you think private citizens should be taking guns? I'd like to see law enforcement take care of everything. I think everything should be taken care of law enforcement. But again, we have to give our cops back, our police back their dignity, the respect. They're very talented people. They're strong. They're tough. They can do the job, but we've taken it away. We don't want to have... When somebody makes a mistake, he chokes. Or in some cases, you have bad cops, we have to take care of that. In other cases, they choke. They're under, they have a quarter of a second, a quarter of a second to make a decision. And sometimes they make the wrong decision. If they make the wrong decision, you know if they make the wrong decision in the other direction, they're probably dead. So they choke sometimes. And that goes on the evening news for weeks. And the thousands and tens of thousands of great things they do, nobody covers that, nobody writes about that. But if they make a mistake, and again, the bad cops, everybody agrees they have to be very tough on bad cops. But sometimes you have a cop or a police person who is a good, a good police person, right? Good. But they choke. You know the timing, and they go through this, and they study this, and they work on it all the time. They literally have a quarter of a second to make some of these decisions.